Hello and welcome back to The Big Run. Thank you for joining me for this two-part special entitled Where Are They Now? where I'm going to be sitting down with two previous guests from The Big Run who've recently taken on the marathon distance to see if they can improve on their previous time. One was a success and one didn't go quite to plan, but both discussions offer fantastic insights about the marathon distance, which you will definitely want to listen to. Kicking us off is Mark Courtley. Mark joined us back in October of last year, where he'd recently taken on the marathon at Dorney Lake, missing out on his sub three target by three minutes. He took on the distance again in April of this year and he sat down with me in the flesh. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, my first in the flesh interview for the Big Run podcast. I'm very excited to share it with you. It was done with all of the COVID precautions in place and we took every safety measure possible. But it was a thrill to be able to sit down and actually look someone in the eye, in the flesh, talking to them for this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, sharing his reflections on his recent attempt at the sub three, I'm delighted to welcome Mark Courtley. Hello and welcome back to The Big Run and welcome back to a special of Where Are They Now? where we're going to be checking in and following up with previous guests on The Big Run who've recently completed another marathon to see how they got on. Did they beat that PB? Did they improve on their previous performance? So today's guest is Mark Courtley. Now Mark came on the show in December and we were talking about a marathon that he did in Dorney in October. Now he's recently just returned to Dorney to take on the sub three challenge mark welcome to the show such an honor to have you on how are the legs feeling ah oh, thank you great to be back the legs are actually a lot better than they were last time um i think i talked about it last time i was on here um and my legs took an absolute battering even though dawny is pretty flat uh but they're, they're okay what, what are we now with three days after the marathon mm. so yeah I'm, I'm able to walk it's okay but no running no running no, so no, you're no, yeah. being strict <laughs> now you're giving you have you like agreed to a period of time that you're definitely not going to do any running um I, I i'm not sure but a friend of mine ran the virtual london last year and um injured himself by coming back too soon after um i think he did a session two days after. <laughs> he's talking about me ladies and gentlemen he's talking about this guy who he's talking about <laughs> this plump part yeah. yeah and then i had to deal with him being injured for uh, uh no how, how long were you injured for two months but we're not here to talk about yeah, me okay, okay. <laughs> um yes i i'm definitely going to take a week off and then and then see maybe come back slowly but y- you just told me before we came on air mm. um that it's in your legs for six weeks, is that right? Well, I, I interviewed someone recently who is a, a Feldenkrais expert and he believes six weeks and the coach at our club, uh, Cambridge Harriers, um, <laughs> Glynis Perry, former uh, London Marathon winner, she said a month that it stays in your legs. I, th- I think it makes sense. I think it is, yeah. it is a kind of a trauma, I think, to your, to your legs, especially the last four miles. Yeah, for sure. And that's another reason the marathon is just such an amazing race, isn't it? That you don't get that many shots at it. Yeah. So, you, you know, that, those last <laughs> few kilometres, and I was thinking this at, at the Dorney three days ago, hmm. um, I was, you know, don't get this opportunity that often. You've got to go for it. Is that what you felt like? Do you, is that like that was sort of hanging over you, like that it was a moment that you needed to towards the end? So I had a big. Basically, my goal was sub three, mm-hmm. um, and uh, as it became apparent that that was within my grasp, I thought, don't let this opportunity go. And uh, yeah, I wanted to wanted to push on and just see if I could grab it at the end there. So. What I've done, Mark, is I've actually loaded some clips of our previous interview where you were talking about various elements of your of your re- recent marathon then, which was the, the Dawny Marathon Great. on October the 4th. And I was thinking maybe we could listen to them and then we could use them as kind of jumping off points okay, for, nice. for the conversation. So I think, you know, you were aiming for sub three. I think everyone listening is probably going to know how you got on. So this is what you said last time when you were talking about time. So... Hopefully, this time next year, I will could would imagine anything over three a terrible failure. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm it's a hobby, so I'm not. I don't take myself too seriously. But equally, liar, I am at least at this point a little obsessed with time. <laughs> and so, hope, 
So, okay, a little bit obsessed with time. So what was your time when you did it back on October 4th? Yeah, I, I also gave myself a year in that, when, and I ended up running Dorney, what, will be six months? Yeah. So maybe half a year. Yeah, yeah, six months, yeah. Um, so, so my time at Dorney, is that what you asked? The, so the, the first one. The, the time that you had on October 4th, what was, did you get? It was 3.03.22, I think. Okay, and for the listeners, what, what result did you uh, manage to miraculously achieve uh, about three days ago? Well, this is a sweet moment. Um, 2.56.39. Nice, man. That's so good. Thank I feel you. like I should, have lo- I should have preloaded some like applause or like a <laughs> roaring crowd to congratulate you. Yeah, I was chuffed, really, really chuffed. I, you know, there's, I, we spend a lot of time as runners, I think, going, oh... Well, maybe I could have gone a bit faster there or a bit whatever, but um, it's been a goal for ages now to get a marathon time starting in a two. And I know to some people that is ludicrously fast. To some people, it's quite slow. I'm just chuffed. You know, for me, it's a big achievement and I'm going to enjoy that. It's amazing. It's amazing. So let's peel back then. So post post Dorney back in October leading up to Dorney just gone so what was your kind of what was your kind of game plan over that six month period because you did a you did a there was a formal structured block as well that you did right yeah well I was training for Richmond Marathon of course and um then January was a really so I started training I think towards the end of December a 15 week training plan um and uh then yeah richmond was going to be at the end of march and then january was really really bad hopefully by the time this comes out um we'll all be dancing in people's homes and hugging (laughs) but january if you can remember Mm. listener was awful and bleak and richmond sure enough got cancelled but um I booked this as a sort of backup because I I knew having having done it in October that Dorney was sort of COVID secure, no one could come in, it was a looped course, so there were no spectators. And I just thought, oh, it's got a much better chance of going ahead than mm. Richmond. And um, sure enough, we went into the latest sort of stage of easing restrictions on the 29th of March, I think, and the, with the race being on the 3rd of April. So it must have been one of the first marathons that general public could actually do. I think do. it was. I think it was one of the first that actually went ahead. I yeah, think. so I felt very lucky to be there and, and racing, and it was, you know, so exciting being there on that starting line and yeah, I bet. all the nerves and tension, and I think lots of people smashed their goals, so it was a really, really cool place to be, yeah. I think as well, I think now, like this summer, and we, I mean, we saw it, so we're recording this on on the Tuesday just after the Easter bank holiday, like the women's, well, it hasn't been ratified yet, but the women's 5K record went this weekend as well. Um, Unbelievable. I think there's going to be so much of this kind of lockdown training that's now going to be put out into race mode. And I think think there's going to be a lot of PBs being being smashed. So before we go through the race, because I really do want to break the race down into its nitty gritty and specifics. Yeah, let's. Training then. So... Last time, I think when you were talking about training, and let me just see if I've got the right clip here. Mm-hmm. I think you said something previously Ultimately, in our I, last interview. I peaked at a bad time. Mm. So um, the net for the next one, which currently for me is end of March, wh- whether or not that happens or not, but I'm meant to be running Richmond end of March. Mm. And I'm going to make sure I do a proper block, you know, mm. take it easy and then start and, and make sure I peak at the right time during that and see if that helps. So a proper block, and is that what you actually did? Did you do a form of proper block? So what did what talk us through your training then? Um, yeah, the, I I um, I downloaded a, a training plan. It was it was really good. It was it surprised me. My mileage went down actually quite substantially at the start, and I thought this is odd. Doesn't high mileage equal faster times? Mm. But um, I think it gave me more recovery. Yeah. I, I learned, I mean, you do every training block, don't you? But I learned loads of things. I learned to recover better. I learned um, not to push my last reps too hard. Interesting. <laughs> you know, when you do your sessions, and yeah. I was always that guy who on a 10 by 800, would his last 800 would be absolutely everything I have. Mm. And I didn't do that. I was like, just make sure I hit my times and that'll do. Mm. And I think it allowed me to just be fresher every week. And the other like key thing that changed for me was including 
lots of blocks at marathon pace on my long runs right. which is easier said than done because of course it's that's hard that yeah. makes your your long runs that bit harder but it made such a difference and it made marathon pace feel way more achievable where i just i kind of knew that i, I definitely knew it was in my legs there were other things i was worried about uh on the day itself that mm. i thought might go wrong but in terms of whether i knew that i could run that pace for 26 miles i was really confident that my legs had it so in terms of that process then of le- what i mean what does that feel like that learning that pace because i feel like i feel like that's potentially a real successful tactic of training is learning that pace and Mm. acquainting your body with it so that it's not a new experience come race day like was there a point in training where you were like like a like a kind of corner had been turned a switch had been like flicked where it's like this feels normal like this feels comfortable like yeah that my peak week ended with a 37k long run Mm -hmm. which is um it's like 23 miles or something yeah i think it's 23 i don't know if you have to do that but it had three chunks for me at marathon pace Mm. and um i just it wasn't before that would have killed me (laughs) and it felt it felt achievable i kind yeah i was just really familiar with the pace by that point Mm. and so it, it was something about being comfortable there the other big thing that really really helped me and i have you partly to thank for this um was a new pair of racing trainers okay by which i mean not trainers as in shoes but as in um training shoes right and for me it was the saucony endorphin speed love them but there are loads of other ones that do a similar kind of thing but basically it was a shoe that could go long was kind of comfortable but also when you stepped up a bit pushed your foot on the gas mm. um they could handle it and they were just brilliant and i used them for all my training sessions all my long runs and i'm so grateful to them for yeah they're inc- it's incredible shoes i feel like that you i feel like you clutch at anything when you kind of staring down the barrel of those long run workouts yeah, as well because yeah. they feel like the main meat of any kind of training i thing. think and so. it's like whatever it is whether it's your your shoes or a particular bit of kit or something because it's it's such a it feels like such a weird sort of paradox is like those runs are the runs that are going to be the closest thing to race day that you're going to get during training but whenever i've looked at i was just i used used to dread them like i'd be like scared of like okay so six miles through this long run i've suddenly got to switch into i've got to go into marathon pace for another six miles and then i've got to go tempo for two and then i've got to roll back down to easy i used to dread them like did you get to a place where you started to enjoy them uh, do you think I, that was part of you kind of like learning that pace that you were like oh this, this is kind of fun a like, bit i don't know if i enjoyed it but um <laughs> but i definitely felt more comfortable there and and yeah i guess you know running fast is more fun than running slow isn't mm, it yeah and and so yeah i did actually I, I suppose it felt like a bit of a cheat but i used to do i live quite near dulwich park mm. and i used to do my long runs um i'd sort of run around dulwich park into peckham or camberwell or whatever and then i'd come back to dulwich park for the fast section (laughs) because i can just go in a circle and i'm not worrying about traffic or avoiding people um so that just helped me i think yeah anything that mentally can get you through those difficult ones really helps so so really i have that pair of shoes to thank and i have an easy running pair of shoes um which for me were the nike infinity react Mm -hmm. i know some people don't like them right for me they just they were great for when I just want to go slow and they didn't beat up my legs and um, I used them on loads of my easy relax just get the miles in runs and one thing that you talked about last time that had been a bit of a a a sort of sticking point for you with training had been nutrition as well yeah I think last time you were talking about I think I've worked out why I had three bad marathons and it's all to do with glycogen stores it's just bad fueling and I think in hindsight and this is why it's quite good we're doing this again because we chatted the day after the marathon i didn't really know what mm. had been right or wrong and and with two weeks hindsight i can say pretty confidently that i just didn't fuel enough so did you feel like that was a, did you feel like that was something that you were actively working on in this training to get your fueling sort of dialed in i i tried danny i i <laughs> i still i don't know enough about nutrition and like it's a therapy uh, session i love it it's all right it's okay it's okay 
it's I don't know. I don't think does anyone. Yeah, some people have got it dialed in. I changed some things definitely. I I moved to a new brand of gel. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried the Morton gels, which are really expensive, meant to be brilliant. It worked for me on the day, mm. but I had some bad training runs where I felt really dodgy. So I don't know. I've still got loads to learn there. <laughs> what I would say is on the race itself, I'm I made sure I took three. I know you can take way more, mm. but three for me felt okay. So I did them every 10K and then I had another one and um, I decided that I didn't need it. I was going to get through oh, and I didn't want to take the risk because I, I, it, it was that point where I just thought, I don't want to risk any stomach upset and I know I, I just felt I had enough sugar to kind of get me through through the last like 5k when, oh, okay. I, when I otherwise might have taken it so you say okay I made okay. a little decision a little race day decision race there. day decision we'll yeah. get to race day as well because I remember I was checking in with you before you uh, I think it was about two three weeks out and you like yeah. you weren't feeling it at all were you do you know I was so so I'd mentioned that long run the the 37k mm. and um, I that went really well for me and I was feeling great this was sort of four five weeks out no maybe four four weeks out and then of course, I hit a bad patch mm. and I freaked out. Really? <laughs> yeah, I just, I had these two, as you taper down, or at least on my training plan, I still had some longish runs, mm. like a 30 and a 26K, something like that. And they both went badly and I felt weird and I was too tired and I was expecting them to be breezy compared mm. to what I'd done before. Mm. So that really, that scared me. And I suddenly thought, oh no, I've done it again. And I've peaked so- too soon. <laughs> and I ran a, I ran a half just as a time trial. Mm. But I did a one twenty one thirty half, which again, at the time was great. Loads of confidence, put it into all the calculators and they were all like, sub three is yours. Um, and then, and then I thought, you just, your head plays tricks on you, mm. doesn't it? Um, so I was making all these excuses for why I wasn't going to get it. And it yeah. Were you, were you already like pre like pre preparing those excuses like a couple of days before? Um, what am I going to tell Danny on the podcast? <laughs> yeah, and we'd set this podcast up, yeah. and I thought, hang on, if I don't do it, this is going to be the most depressing <laughs> half hour for people to listen to. A half hour of regret with Mark, <laughs> but I still think that like, even if you hadn't have done it, and like obviously that's why I wanted to get that out in the open. Like he did it, he like he, he went sub three and, and quite comfortably sub three as well. Yeah. I still think. There's so many lessons to be learned. I think even if you didn't, have, hadn't have done it. Yeah, I think. and and probably I would have learned more from not getting it the night yeah. than I have from getting it. But um, oh, I would have been really annoying because also, like I said before, you don't get many shots at a marathon, mm. and it probably is another six months before you get a crack at it. And and I knew that really I was in shape to do it. It's just it's a marathon and things go wrong. Mm. And and you saw it on the race on Saturday people walking the last couple of miles and it's kind of heartbreaking <laughs> god really <laughs> because of all you? that work I, they've all done it around the same work and if they haven't done the same work well there you go there you go <laughs> <laughs> but basically were you schooling them as you went past <laughs> <laughs> should have done your long run yeah <laughs> um, no they you know that people have sacrificed things haven't they they've taken it's a lot of time and dedication and it's um it's really hard if you have a bad day, but people are going to have bad days. People are going to have good days, and I was lucky. So let's get into it then. Let's Great. get into Dorney. All right, so weather for the day. Windy. Was it windy? Quite yeah, cold? It was. it was windy, and it was kind of six, seven degrees. It wasn't crazy windy. Dorney's really exposed, so that was my main concern. But I was lucky that I'd run it on that October the 4th mm. when as anyone who ran that virtual London Marathon remembers uh, the weather was just apocalyptic Crunchy. horrendous <laughs> so, horrendous. so I thought well it's not going to be that bad mm. um, and I've done this before and I've got a good time so uh, yeah I, I was I was concerned but it was more about sort of what do I wear and <laughs> you know am I going to be cold and um, how do I how do I stop the wind from bothering me too much a- actually it was it was manageable. It, was it totally wasn't too bad. The wind then. Yeah, there was one section. It's kind of a looped course, and you do um, out and back eight times. But 
um, because of the, it's like a horseshoe shape. So mm. you have, I, I thought of it as four sections and one of them was particularly bad, but the other three were okay. Okay. Which, which kind of helps actually sometimes when you have a section of a looped course, it's a bit harder. You think, oh, this is the bit where I have to work. And when I get through this, the rest is easy. So it sort of helps a bit mentally. Did that help you? So were you actively going in there with a plan to sort of break it down into those increments yeah, to get through it then? Definitely. Once I'd, once I'd sussed that that first, it was actually the first of the four sections, right. was hard and you had to do each section four times. I thought, oh, great. I've only got three more of them. And then you get to the penultimate and you're like, I've only got to do this hard section one more time. So yeah, it did help me. That's fascinating. So plan of attack then going in. So... Mm-hmm. On the day, what are we talking like? So race was at 9am, like big, big breakfast beforehand. What was your fueling strategy? Because I know nutrition, like I know you had your gels. Like was there like a considered option that you'd kind of found during the course of your training that was working for you? The the other thing I changed was not going mental the night before on carb loading. Interesting. Which I think was a good decision. Because <laughs> before... I'd been the sort of person who just sort of, yeah, eat my body weight in pasta. And I, I just don't think that's a good idea. I did, you know, eat, obviously, but yeah. um, just sort of make it uh, make it feel as normal as possible so your body's not having to deal with mm. new things. Um, and then the morning of, I had my usual sort of uh, avocado on toast, nothing crazy. Um, uh, had a coffee, had a little bit of beetroot juice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Again, I I swear that's just psychological, but mm. I've oh, I've had a little bit of beach juice. I'm going to be fine. <laughs> I'll feel that on mile eighteen. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, it was it was pretty relaxed. I mean, the day before, it's classic, isn't it? You try and minimise anything that's going to give you stress. <laughs> you plan your route there, all of your meal times, and then at about six o'clock, when I was ready to have dinner, I discovered I had a flat tire. <laughs> All the garages were shut, and I thought, I'm not going to get to Dorney. Oh, man. Um, but, of course, it was fine. I changed uh, I changed it to a spare, and, and um, yeah, it's just, it's always the way, isn't it? Something that you have not considered in a million years is going to go wrong. Um, was but, that a stressful drive to Dorney then? Like, how many miles, you get what, like 20, 30 miles on a spare or something? Were you, like, going, like, working yeah. out the mileage and being like, Ooh, well we can get there but i don't know how we're gonna get back yeah it was um you know it was fine but it obviously had to drive a bit slower right. so i just left a little bit more time um but it was fine it was actually a nice morning there was a there was a time because i was focused on the weather there was a time about a week before the run where i thought it was going to be raining mm. all morning and thankfully that didn't happen it was quite a clear day and um yeah got there in lots of time it's quite the nice thing about doing a marathon you've done before is it feels a bit more familiar yeah so, um, yeah, it was just exciting. Got there. I, I love the pre-race buzz. Mm. Everyone, all those nerves and um, had a little bit of a jog. Took about four sets of clothing because I still wasn't sure what I was going to wear. Um, but, uh, yeah, in the end, I went with a vest and arm sleeves, which you'd recommended. Mm. And uh, you were spot on. It was it, it just it's, I love running in a vest because it you just feel a little bit faster mm, mm. um and although it was cold you're running at a pretty high intensity yeah. for three hours so uh yeah i was all right i feel like it is it's it's all those little things isn't it that create that space for ease when you're yeah. when it comes to race day and what whatever that is for the individual whether it is having the same breakfast or giving yourself enough time so that your spare tire doesn't explode on the motorway. <laughs> like whatever it is, it's giving, or, or if it's that sip of beetroot juice, it's whatever you need to do to create that mental sense of ease so that yeah. you are relaxed so that the training that you have done can just come to the surface. Because I felt like recently, like um, I've been, I had a couple of injuries because I was the guy that Mark was talking about before. He went straight back to track after his marathon. And (laughs) idiot. Um, (laughs) Like when I was first coming back to running, I would get nervous before going out on a run and my heart rate would jack because I'd be so scared about going out and like the niggle coming back or getting re-injured that the nervous side or the mental side of it would directly affect the the performance so i'd look at my heart rate and it would be like obviously it was different because of you know fitness had deteriorated somewhat 
but like the nervous mental side would also have a real impact in performance so i think the more of that you can do to get yourself out of that headspace the the better so that when it comes to race day you're like you're you're kind of clear like i'd be interested i wonder whether there's any like i'm sure like a sports psychologist would say but i wonder whether there's like meditative sort of stuff that you could do to like there's a great book called the chimp paradox which is um this this guy called dr steve peters he he works with well, I know him because he worked with Liverpool Football Club for a while, right. um, which is the team I support. And uh, he, Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong host, unfortunately. <laughs> I, oh, you got, got some good hoops. Yeah. You got some, have you had some nice tries this weekend? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Robbie Fowler. Let's R- go. Oh, um, yeah. Big no, time. So Kenny, Kenny Daglish still. <laughs> Still plays, yeah. He still knocks a few in. Yeah, yeah big time. Um, yeah, Steve Peters. He also works with Ronnie O'Sullivan, the the amazing snooker player, mm-hmm. and um, he talks about that. Yeah, not allowing the chimp to take over. It's about basically just um, not doing things different, not letting mm-hmm. the nerves affect you too much mm-hmm. in an adverse way. Also, I was sat in the car on the way to the marathon with my partner, being like this. This is my hobby. This is, it is so absurd that I put myself through this mental torment for fun. But of course, that's part of it. And you just have to embrace it. And race days are fun. And the, the nerves before and the relief after is all part of it. And it's great. And it's why do we. Do you think there's a crossover with what you do for a living as well? Like being an actor, like, do you take from that? Like, because I mean, I, you know, we've both been in, in the wings and been like, what the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck am I doing this for? Like, oh, yeah. when you feel like you're gonna throw up, like, it must be right. I mean, it's the same. Yeah, it's the same rush. Yeah. Yeah. I love this chimp paradox. I definitely got to investigate that more. I just don't let the chimp take over. I think that's brilliant. So, okay, first ten k. Was there a fixed strategy going out? Were there times that you wanted to hit, like going out? Was there a game plan basically for this in terms of your times? And, and there was, yeah. There, so one really great bit of advice that I read two weeks before the marathon uh, was from Ryan Hall, the American marathoner. He said, "Run the first half like you're asleep," and for some reason that just made sense in my head. It's that thing of being super relaxed. Right. Um, so, so that's what I was telling myself at the start. Just you're asleep. <laughs> that's interesting, and, right? Yeah, okay. and it's because you know you're going to have to work later in the race, but you want to keep that first bit as easy as it can be. Um, uh, my goal was basically to go off at four ten per kilometer pace, which in miles. Uh, what is that is that 640 something like that i think it is 640 because i've actually um listener uh i've got uh mark's strava splits up and because i don't speak french i've got them in um, <laughs> i've got them in i've got them translated so that is yeah it's a 640 pace yeah um is 410 roughly so that was what you were going for that was the aim it it was made a little bit easier by the fact that there were lots of sub three runners there um so it was sort of fairly easy to so brief brief pause there whilst i uh, i had a bite on my croissant and uh mark took a phone call but you know that's live <laughs> podcasting it's fine so we were uh we were talking about i think we were talking about pacing strategies so you you had gone out and you wanted to go through the first 10k hitting a 410 per k pace that's sort of a 640 miling yeah for the first 10k so you, but you did you find yourself within a pack of other sub threes and were you like did you sort of nest in with those guys yeah well it it was great actually because i started you know you just follow people a little bit and the first kilometer was my slowest kilometer here's a question i'd like to ask you because i haven't seen my mile splits okay what i'm hoping is that my slowest mile was my first mile and my fastest was my last okay so listeners i do have the uh strava breakdown this would make me really happy okay so i tell you what how do you, I mean, this is this is a tough question, but would you dare to take a guess at what your yeah. first mile would be? I think my first, so I think sub three pace is 6.49. Mm-hmm. So I think my first mile would have been like 6.48. Oh, 6.47. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. 6.47, and you were absolutely correct. Your first mile was 6.47, and your last mile, mile 26. Well, was that my slowest, though, 6.47? It was your slowest. Oh, uh, ooh, no, no, uh, no, 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 no. Okay, no. 
no, that was the slowest you went for the whole of the marathon. So 6.47 on mile one, and then a bit later in the race, miles 16 and 17, and mile 19, you went back to 6.47. So maybe we'll talk okay. about that moment in the race a bit later, because yeah, that feels nice. like that might be a bit of a, a bit of a wall maybe, maybe moment. Yeah. But that was your that was the slowest you ever got through yeah. the three, and then your fastest mile was your last mile, which you did oh, in. What do you think? That's so pleasing, isn't it? What do you um, think it was? Ah, oh, okay. Last mile, uh, I'm gonna hope that I broke into the six thirty, six thirty nine, six thirty three. Ah, six thirty three. Come on, that's pretty. That's I mean, and I think that that's a sign of good training block as well because you're, yeah. you're knowing these paces and you're feeling these paces so that you yeah, can call true. the times. I think that's a that's a real kind of mark of someone who's been listening to their body. Yeah, true. So. Okay, so you were going out with that pace. So how was that first ten k? Then did it feel like how was that with that with that kind of mental cue of pretending to be asleep? How yeah, well, it it was great, but it did mean that it felt very comfortable, um, and that's a good thing. But but it's it's just difficult, isn't it? I haven't done that many marathons, and you just don't know if it's going to come and hurt you later. So yeah, I was feeling good. I knew that I had to get to halfway feeling good. And then your next goal, well, for me anyway, was get to 20 miles feeling okay. Um, and actually, I got to 20 miles feeling pretty strong. I don't remember. There were a few things where, you know, I suddenly I got I felt a little twinge in my stomach. And I was like, oh, no, am I going to get a stitch? I'd had a few stitches in training. Mm. And they are so annoying. And you saw a few people running around holding onto their sides. And oh you just go, oh, no, God. come on, it'll go, it'll go. Um, but fortunately, no stitches. I think also I drank some water. Maybe that helped. But again, I don't know. Mm. It's so frustrating <laughs> that we don't know why we get stitches. <laughs> what is the, is there like? What is the medical dictionary definition of what a stitch is? I, I don't think they it, even know. It's something they isn't it? They think it's something to do with your diaphragm working in in a, or pushing too hard against something. Or but we don't really know how to get rid of them. Other than sometimes stretching works. Sometimes putting pressure on. The right. stitch itself works, and sometimes drinking some water works. Have to find um, out. We'll get Juliet back on the GP who came on a couple of weeks ago, on a couple yeah. of months ago, and find out exactly what the dictionary definition is. So, yeah. what was that process then of of waking up post half? So you, you you kind of pretended to be asleep. <laughs> so what was the process of kind of getting out of bed and having your morning <laughs> coffee? We're going to ca- carry on with that metaphor. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So yeah, I I think I. Uh, it's funny, isn't it? Because you've tapered, so you're you're feeling kind of fresh, and part of you just really wants to run, <laughs> and your head's going, "No, don't run, don't run, hold back, hold back," and your legs are just desperate to go, "No, but I can go so much faster than this." So it was your. Con- I was constantly trying to just hold back, and then um, I didn't really allow myself to race. I think until about forty k. So with about a mile and a half, two miles to go. Was that was that because remember we we had Andy Rayner on and mm. he was saying like about him getting greedy in a marathon. Was that was there a devil on your shoulder at one point when you were feeling good to go like I can get two fifty here? There there wasn't actually because I was so focused on this. I know it's arbitrary, but for me, I just had that idea for so long that I wanted to get a marathon time starting with a two that I didn't want to jeopardize that. Right. I think now I probably would. If, if I'd done the same marathon, you know, in um, two months time, or whatever, I'd, I'd probably think, yeah, let's go. Let's just chance it and see what I can get. But um, no, it wasn't until about 40K, I'd finished my sort of third section of those four. Mm. And you turn around and you can see the finish line, albeit two kilometers away. Mm. And I thought, come on now. You know, let's just, let's just go for it and see if you can take a few more seconds off. And that was that was pretty fun. I mean, I was in pain by then, but it was um, it was it was nice to sort of grit a bit, you know. Did you have were there mental things? Were there cues that you kind of thought about for for those that that final kind of the sort of five k the, the the sort of hurt locker? There yeah. were a few kind of dedications, you know, a few dedicated kilometers in there. Um, there was um, and and there was that overriding sense of you don't get this opportunity much, you know, just mm. just go for it. I think it's not really a marathon unless you put your th- put yourself through the mill a bit. So mm. I wanted to, it, it was, I, I'm very lucky. It was one of those ones that actually 
didn't hurt me all that much. I've been through a lot more pain before, but um, yeah, I still still gave it everything I felt I had left in the tank for those last two K or whatever. Amazing, amazing. I suppose as well, like maybe the fact that you're not in so much pain, that's that's being earned through the knowledge of having been in that place before. Do you yeah, know what I, mean? I think that's true. I think you get better at dealing with it. Um, and it's so, God, it's so nice to be able to sprint your final stretch of a marathon. Amazing. <laughs> it's such a good feeling. Uh, I was, we'd a week before my marathon, I'd watched the GB marathon trials. Mm. And I don't know if any of your listeners saw it. If you did, you will have seen Chris Thompson, who's 39 um, and is going to Tokyo 2021 now, having um, got won the race and got the qualifying time. And I've never seen that elation on crossing Incredible. Uh, a finish line. If you haven't seen it, just Google Chris Thompson marathon trials. Um, it, it's, yeah, it's just that joy of having smashed your goal. And um, and so that was quite inspiring having seen that. And I, I did feel a similar sense of joy having... Did you do um, a similar finish? Did you sort of like <laughs> grab the, the line and sort of like hunch over and sort of... It was like a bear sort of scream. It was primal, his celebration. No, it was amazing. Um, in my head, it was pretty huge, but um, I've, I've seen it since because they live streamed the thing. And actually, it's just... I think all I had left was like a little fist bump. <laughs> Pump. Oh, they live streamed uh, it, did they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, if only I'd known. I know, I didn't realise um, oh. actually until I was doing it. But yeah, they had a live stream up so that people, because obviously no spectators were allowed. So I think some people were allowed to cheer their pals on from home. Oh, so good. It was actually because Mark gave me his uh, his chip number and I was watching it. Well, I wasn't watching. I was refreshing the chip times live. But I thought you'd had a mare because I didn't realise you had to... So the the time goes from whenever you cross the line. So you were in the first wave, but you didn't go over the line until three minutes after the official start time. Right, yeah. So it adds that three minutes on to your checkpoint times because that's when you've gone over the line. And like Mark, so Mark was like, he'd messaged me prior, uh, prior to it and he told me what his splits needed to be. And I saw you done your first 10K and it was like four minutes north of where you wanted to be. And I was like, oh, oh no. my God, oh my God. I was thinking like, fucking hell, he's had a nightmare. Like and within oh, the first 10K wow. as well, because it was like three minutes north and then you got to your half and then it was it still had three minutes on top of it. But then it gives you your net time at the end where it takes away that oh, three minutes. So, so you thought I'd... I thought you'd blown up. I genuinely thought... In the first 10K? In the first 10K. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I should have screen grabbed it because, yeah, I think you went over the line and I think it was like three minutes and 45 seconds was uh, when you yeah. actually, your chip went beep and started. Yeah, because, of course, um, it being times of COVID, uh, you get set off at different times. So you're not really racing as such. You're just you're just going on your own time because, yeah, people obviously get set off at different times interesting i did <laughs> like oh my god first 10k god i mean it'd be a great listen like finding out what's gone wrong but um <laughs> yeah. obviously not great for you just to go back to the tomo um like i, I feel like watching that because i watched that race as well like there's something so inspiring considering his age as well mm. like in terms of you know what you're still capable of like within you know because we're in our sort of mid to late sort of 30s do yeah. you feel like now post this do you feel like there's further for you to go in terms of time Definitely. I running such a good lesson in you just it's most of the blocks are in your head. Right. And I think a couple of years ago, I would never have thought I was capable of a sub three marathon. Mm. And then you're continually changing the goalposts. So, yeah, I th- I think if I want it badly enough, I could definitely do some other things. But at the moment, I'm not <laughs> thinking about that too much. I'm I'm forcing myself to enjoy this moment, not run for a bit, treat myself like a retired athlete, and then um, and then I'll work out what the next goal is later on. I think. I think it, I, I, absolutely. I think um, Marcus Brown talked about this as well. I think it, you've got to celebrate them. Yeah. Like you've got to you've got to celebrate the the times and the achievements and like use that as an not an excuse, but use that as a way to force your body to recover as well. But like relish them because it's it's hard work like 16 weeks like that's north of three months and through the winter as well like you put the effort in you've got to you've got to enjoy it yeah and also you you owe it to yourself because think how many of those runs you've come back on and you thought oh it'll all be over in a while and then i can just put my feet up and have cake and tea and whatever (laughs) and um yeah i i owe it to that person who went out in the wind and snow in february 
to um to give myself a bit of a break i think and if you could speak to that person perhaps like you know if you with with hindsight like looking back over the block like obviously it's gone really well and you've achieved your your goals but is there anything you would say to that person during that block if you could go back and speak to them oh wow that's a good question you know my um my partner asked me after the race she said does it make all of that training worthwhile and i think the answer is yes and no Mm. partly yes it's so great to set yourself a goal and get it and to have gone through little mini bits of hell (laughs) to achieve it but it's also of course it wouldn't have mattered if i hadn't done it you you have to enjoy the thing in itself and i had some bad days where i didn't want to be running but i had to because of this training block Mm. i had some great days where i thought i'm so lucky in this time where we aren't allowed to socialize to be out enjoying this beautiful city and Mm. um yeah I i don't know if i'd be able to give myself advice i guess yeah just appreciate appreciate having a body that at the moment can do this and being out in nature and yeah full honesty now if you hadn't have got the sub three do you think you'd be as sort of reflective and kind of at peace with it no i'd be i'd be gutted right (laughs) (laughs) i'd be absolutely gutted i know i i I can't help it i was i was was super focused and the race itself i did enjoy but i was the most focused i've ever been because i just was i just really wanted to achieve this goal and there were a couple of you know how some people chat during marathons Mm. and i think that helps them relax that i'm not one of those people Mm. and so when when inevitably who's that guy really intense (laughs) yeah but inevitably you start you know you spend a couple of kilometers running with someone else or just on their shoulder or they're on your shoulder i love it so uh, where you come from today (laughs) shut up yeah there was a tiny bit of that um there are cues aren't there where you can just make a very um you can make a sort of polite yeah and it's it's apparently you're not a talker um actually james cracknell i I watched an interview with him you know the rower who's Mm. also an incredible Mm. runner and he said he puts in headphones but but then he just stuffs them down his shorts yeah no music but just so that people sort of think that he's not able to talk to them i had a friend at school who used to do that just because he couldn't be asked talking to people yeah he would just go around with headphones in and be oh, really? like, oh, what are you listening to mate he's like nothing i just can't be asked and you cannot be asked like you know when like when ipods and all that first came out and it was becoming more ubiquitous to people to have like the white headphones in it was just like great i can use this as like kind of my social kind of blocker yeah. it's like don't interrupt him listen to music and be like nothing literally nothing i just can't be asked yeah i mean for me it's it's to do with breathing as well i think that's one of the things i'm still struggling with is really keeping my breath which is mad for someone that's done a fair bit of theater i should Mm. be quite good at breathing but i feel like that's something that can go a bit haywire in a in a long run Mm. so um yeah i i i i feel like if i got into a chat with someone it could disrupt that rhythm I'm interested by you. So you said that was the most focused you've ever been. I think so. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I kept. I, I think so. I think it was. It was a good two hours and forty minutes of focus, and then twenty minutes of hell for leather, probably. Really? Yeah. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. Was that something else that you were working on when you were on, when you were also doing the long runs and the training runs, like when you were the paces? Were you also training your mental kind of focus? As a well? little bit. Yeah. I my definitely my half marathon time trial. I tried to stay really focused for that. I think focus is a massively underappreciated element of mm. of making of a good distance runners. A bit part of the reason being you're running for a really long time actually and mm. you can't get carried away. Mm. If you do if you if you enjoy that <laughs> sounds cruel but if you enjoy that 10k a bit too much and let your legs go the way they want to go, you're going to really pay for it later on. Mm. So just stay focused keep that rhythm keep relaxed and you're definitely going to have a better you'd rather have a better final 10k than a better first 10k 100 percent, 100 percent. it's funny i took my friend out for um he's just getting into running and took him out for his first half marathon and oh nice it was a little out and back along the thames path and stuff and like first sort of five six miles he was like you know 20 30 seconds faster than i was like dude give yourself some yeah. like, i feel fine i feel great i feel great like really really good 
and inevitably sort of north of mile 11 you know because it's all relative like you know that for him was his own sort of marathon yeah and it's still impressive like just totally totally fell apart because and that's what you learn i think isn't it it's that yeah. it's that that discipline and that ability to to listen and know your body actually i sat down with um jason suarez who is a photographer and he shoots a lot for for nike um, oh. and he shot kipchoge and mo farah and stuff and he was saying like his take home because he's also a runner as well is how much the the kenyans and the ethiopians they chat in the sessions and there's a lot of banter and yeah. there's a lot of play but on the recovery runs deadly silent Wow. Not a single word, and they're listening to their bodies. Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, they really tune in. So it's like, how do I feel today? How does that twinge feel in my calf? How does my how does my hip feel? How does da 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 da? It's really quite. Whereas when it comes to the sessions, it's like more jovial. Wow. And I think maybe that's part of that giving themselves space for ease. Because if we're just looking yeah. about with your mates on the track, it's not about I've got to hit this time for that four hundred meter repeat. And maybe it also feeds into a competitive kind of thing as well. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm going to see if I can take him on that last turn on the track or something like that. But I feel like that that thing about the recovery runs and the silence, I think, is, is fascinating. Yeah. He does an amazing thing as well, Kipchoge, where he smiles when he's in a huge amount of pain. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite weird to watch. But um, any of those little mental tricks you can do, I think, really help. Now, and I don't want to put you on the spot here. But looking ahead, and I know you're enjoying the time. Like I know you're enjoying the time, <laughs> yeah. and as you as you should. Like the next, you know, week or ten days or whatever it is when you're not running, just eating well and, and relishing that achievement. Mm-hmm. But I know you're not going to stop. <laughs> I know you. I know you're not going to stop because you're relentless, and I yeah. know you're thinking. I know you're thinking. I know you already thought. You probably already. But have you booked a race? Have you booked another race? You fucking have as well, haven't you? I, I, well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't booked another race, but I have a couple of races already booked in. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Also, the amazing thing about getting my sub three is that hopefully it's a good rage place for London 2022. Mm. I've never done London um, and I am sick to the death of people that have telling me how amazing it is. Yeah, same, same. <laughs> so um, can't wait. And hopefully that will be booked in for next April. That's that. That's. I think that's my like a goal is, right. is um, I mean, I know it's a year away, but I'd love to have a good London next year. And then, yeah, I do have a couple of races booked in. <laughs> can you, do you want to, do you want to commit them to, to air? Are you aware? Well, one's a bit ridiculous. So, you know, I said I had some backup races mm. because it's been such a weird year mm. and so many cancellations. I had booked in Peterborough Marathon when I was meant to be doing Manchester 2020. Great Manchester Marathon. Yeah. Mm. And that um, that was in April 2020. And mm. then it looked like that wasn't going to go ahead because you're talking, what, 20,000 runners, maybe yeah. more. And Peterborough is a little marathon. Looks quite nice. But I thought, oh, there, there, was a, there was a time briefly where it looked like races that had under 1,000 people or something might mm. go ahead. So I booked a place on Peterborough got cancelled they said oh well you know here's a voucher or we'll just postpone it and then it looked like it was going to happen in april uh, in um autumn last year then that didn't happen and now it's happening in may of this year (laughs) (gasps) dude when what day uh it's quite it's end of may i think it's 20 27th or something like that so i may as well run it (laughs) (laughs) what are you going to try and just equal you're not going to try and go. I'm not going to try and beat. Definitely not going to try and beat it. There are two options. One is that I try and run another sub three. Mm. And the other is that I really enjoy the day and do, I don't know, 3.15 or something that that weirdly will, I hope, feel quite easy for my body at this mm. point. Uh, and I, I'll, I'll just wait and see how the recovery process goes. Because yeah. last one, um, I probably mentioned it after last October, but I was in a whole world of pain for ages after that. I feel better now. I, I definitely feel like my legs are recovering quicker, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absurdly, I have a marathon next month. I mean, that is <laughs> mental, isn't it? Times in the future, yeah, that you'd want to commit to. I I had a little um, from years ago. I I had a little. Um, spreadsheet of times that i wanted to achieve and i've done quite a few of them now i wanted to do a sub 90 half 
a sub 40 10k and a sub uh, three hour marathon I've done all of them so I don't know I I'd quite like to get my 5k time really down I've never actually properly raced a 5k I've done a few park runs but um, it would be nice to do an actual 5k event maybe maybe sub 17 is a good like ambitious goal for that um and then for the marathon oh man do i have to yeah okay okay i do have to commit don't i because what i'd like to say is two really what i'd like to say is 240 but that feels so hard right now um but maybe that's the sort of maybe that's the three-year goal <laughs> and maybe the imminent goal is i don't know somewhere in the 240s 240 okay maybe 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 london next year oh i can't believe i'm doing this maybe london next year is is sub 250 okay okay oh, right i'll just go, i've got my i've got my diary here let's book in that interview for april of of next year we'll hope hopefully by hook or by crook i'll be running it with you so yeah um i think that that feels like a fair goal but i think it's also important to just say that you've, you've done your sub three yeah that you've got the goal celebrate it yeah um, and and for me i think i'd love to run a faster marathon at some point in the future but um i think in a sense nothing will feel quite as good as this arbitrary new number i have at the start of my marathon time it's so stupid and childish but it feels great and i'm going to enjoy that i think you should and i feel like that's a lovely note to end (laughs) it on mark thank you so much for coming on and being such a guest on the big thanks for having me back cheers 240 it's coming big thank you to mark for coming on and sharing his marathon story now once you've listened to this be sure to head over and listen to the second part of this two-part special with andy rayner aka the forest of dean runner who was going for the sub 240 in his recent marathon attempt to find out what happened and to get his take on things head over and listen to the second part of this two-part special right away and if you want to take a pause and maybe you know go for a run then get out there and get running Thanks for listening. Enjoy the second part and uh, I'll see you next week.